folks, uh, the last two messages have been about revival. And I want us to continue that theme today. I don't know how to to tell you how serious I, I feel about the things I've been sharing with you for the last couple of weeks. I am concerned about Christianity uh, in the United States because uh, especially in, in what we call the Bible Belt, I think people have gotten gospel hardened. Churches are everywhere. You know, if churches... If there was one church in the state of North Carolina, don't you think people would be fighting and trying to get down there to get to it and be a part of it? Some places in the world where they have to hide as Christians, people are hungry for not only the gospel, but most especially for this book, for the Word of God. And, and again, I want you to hear me today as a pastor, as someone is, who is supposed to be leading you and walking with the Lord and growing in the Lord and leading this church to do what God wants it to do. And, and again, I want you to know that my heart is in this, not to stand here and preach to you, but for all of us to grow in our faith and for this church not become an average, typical Baptist church that just kind of loses its effectiveness in the community and loses its witness and its light. And so I pray that you'll take me serious in the words that I'm about to share with you. Uh, God has laid this message on my heart, and I'm just simply saying, let the Holy Spirit of God take the words that he's given me. And I'm not, I'm not trying to talk about me and I, but please let the Spirit of God take these words and speak to your heart and speak to the church, okay? And as I pray, they'll speak to me. And again, I say that in all humility and sincerity. Let's pray together. Father, please bring revival to us. And, Lord, that revival might not necessarily mean that our attendance would be beyond what we could hold or that more and more people would be baptized at this particular moment. But, Lord, may that revival mean that we who are professing Christians, who are members of this church, would again commit ourselves wholeheartedly to serve you as a body of believers. Lord, bring revival so that we can minister to this community and minister to our family, to our children and grandchildren. Bring revival to our church so that our lives might be Christ-like and we would be following the moral guidelines of the Word of God so that when people see us, they would know that we're not hypocrites and we're not putting on but that our walk with Jesus Christ is real and that he walks with us and talks with us and we know that he's alive because he lives in our hearts. Father, I pray in these moments that you would take these passages from the Old Testament that I'm about to read, we're about to read, and Lord, speak to each and every one of our hearts about this book that brings revival, the Word of God. Lord, be honored in these moments, for we ask in Christ's name. Amen. First of all, I want to read the eighth chapter of the book of Nehemiah. I don't know how often you read in Nehemiah for the last two messages that I brought. The messages have been out of Second Chronicles chapter 7. If you'll go past Second Chronicles, the next book is the book of Ezra and then the book of Nehemiah. 
And let me read this entire chapter. I'm going to be reading a lot of Scripture today. I do not apologize for that because this is God's Word. And we need to hear God's Word. But please hang with me because I think God has got a very powerful message for us to hear. Nehemiah chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. And all the people gathered as one man. They came together with singleness of heart and singleness of mind. And to the square before the water gate, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Now I want to point something out. Five times in these 18 verses, the word understanding or understood is going to be heard. Folks, these people listen to God and listen to his word. Not necessarily to Ezra and to the Levites who we're going to mention in just a minute who who were there to help them understand what God was saying in his word. Verse 3, And he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday. Now listen to this. Early morning, 6 o'clock was when the Jewish day began until midday, 12 noon. For six hours, Ezra read the law of Moses, the word of God, in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the priest stood on a wooden pulpit which they had made for the purpose, and beside him stood. Now, I cannot name these names correctly, but I want to point something out. That these names are mentioned because these men, and some of them were Levites, helped Ezra teach and read the Word of God. And folks, I want to point something out. Do you and I understand how blessed we are to have people who volunteer to be Sunday school teachers and other leaders who teach the Word of God in this church? Please thank your Sunday school teachers for preparing and bringing the Word of God to you. Please pray for them on a day-to-day basis. And folks, I want to point something out. It is not only my responsibility, but many of you, God has called you to be Sunday school teachers and Bible study leaders. And I pray that he's going to raise up more. Folks, our Sunday school and teaching the Word of God is one of the most important aspects of what we do here at the church. Amen? Amen. It is, folks. Listen to verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood. Why did they do that? For reverence for the Word of God. Do we have that reverence today for God's Word? I'm not just talking about a book. I'm talking about this being the inspired Word of God. Do we have reverence for it? Did he read it? Did they stand the whole six hours? I don't know. But I'm assuming they did. Verse 6, And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. They bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Again, there's a list of other Levites in verse 7. Let me read the last two phrases. Help the people to understand the law. The Levites help the people to understand the law while the people remain in their places. Verse 8, 
and they read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. Folks, I want to tell you something. It is my responsibility to have a word from God and then bring that word to you, and then it is your responsibility as members of this church and as members of the body of believers that we would listen to God, not to me, but to God and to God's word, okay? Verse 9, Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Why were they weeping? Folks, they were convicted of their sin. And they were confessing sin. And they were broken hearted. When is the last time that we read and heard the word of God that the Holy Spirit so convicted us of our wrong path that we're on and are going away from God and from his word that we wept? Folks, these people, the people of God, wept. Verse 10, then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine. And yes, that's what it says. And send portions to him for whom nothing is prepared for this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let me point something out. If you and I get close to God, if we hear his word, it's going to bring repentance and sorrow for our sins. But folks, it'll bring the greatest joy that we have ever experienced in our life. And folks, one of the reasons people do not want to turn to the Lord is they don't see that joy in us. You think as Christians that we were living the most miserable life in existence that could be imagined. Folks, what was happening here? The Word of God was bringing revival in the hearts and lives of the children of God. Verse 11, So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions to make great rejoicings because they had understood the words that were declared to them. Verse 13, on the second day, the heads of fathers' houses of all the people. You know what I believe that means? The leading men in the community. With the priest and the Levites came together to Ezra the scribe in order to study the words of the law. The leaders of the tribes and clans, the outstanding men, did not turn away from the word of God. They came to Ezra and to the Levites, and together they studied the words of God. What if the heads of our household, what if the heads of our clans, what if the heads of our governments, what if the people that are so highly respected turn back to the word of God? What a great revival would be in our land. Verse 14, they found it written in the law that the Lord had commanded by Moses that the people of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month. This was a feast that they observed back when they were delivered from Egypt. Verse 15, they should publish and proclaim in all their towns and in Jerusalem, go out to the hills and bring branches of olives, wild olives, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees to make booths It is written as it is written. So the people went out and brought them and made booths for themselves, each on his roof and in their courts and in the courts of the house of God and in the square at the water gate and in the square at the gate of Ephraim and all the assembly of those who had returned from captivity made booths and dwelt in the booths. For from the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, to that day the people of Israel had not done so. Folks, they had rejected the command of God of obeying religious festivals. And folks, again, it says in the latter part of verse 17, there was very great rejoicing. 
Folks, isn't it the truth that the closer we get to the Lord Jesus, the happier we are? Is that not the truth? Verse 18, and day by day from the first day to the last, he read from the, law, from the book of the law of God. Folks, for seven days, Ezra and the Levites did this daily. From 6 o'clock until 12, they did it. They kept the feast seven days, and on the eighth day there was a solemn assembly according to the ordinance. Now, folks, is that boring? It is until you get the background to this. And let me give you some of the historical background. Just again, be patient with me. We're going to get, we're going to read some more scripture, and then we're going to pow. I hope the Holy Spirit's going to really give it to us, okay? All right. You remember the last two Sundays, we've been reading out of Second Chronicles chapter 7 about revival. What brings revival? Remember the four keys. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. But, folks, as that passage of Scripture ends, you remember in, in verse 19, this is Second Chronicles 7. It's going to be on the screen if you'll go to the next one. D. This was a warning from God. But if you turn aside and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I have set before you, and go and serve other gods and worship them, listen to verse 20, then I will pluck you up from the land which I have given you. And this house, which I have consecrated to my name, I will cast out of my sight and will make it a proverb and a byword among all peoples. And at this house, which is exalted, everyone passing by will be astonished and say, Why has the Lord done this to this land and to this house? Then they will say, Because they forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, laid hold on to other gods, worshipped them, served them. Therefore he has brought this evil on them. Folks, in Second Chronicles chapter 7, God warned the people that if they turned away from him, if they forsook his statutes, which means if they left and departed from his word and from his commandments, and if they worshiped other gods, then judgment would fall. Solomon, in Second Chronicles chapter 7, dedicated the temple, and it's the best I could find out, around 950 years before Christ. But the people of God for hundreds of years rebelled and sinned, and God kept warning them that judgment was coming. Folks, judgment, I believe, and again, I, I want you to understand, I'm not trying to just down our country, but I believe the judgment of God is looming over the United States. And if we do not turn from sin and turn back to God, we're going to bring it on us. Amen. Folks, it's a historical fact that when God's people become wayward, God sends judgment and brings them back to himself. Folks, let me just give you a summary of the hundreds of years. You see, when Nehemiah is written, it's written in, in 400 and something B.C., so there's about a 400-year period between the time that God spoke in Second Chronicles 7 and what is spoken in Nehemiah 8. But listen, listen to Second Chronicles chapter 36, verses 15 to 23. And folks, this is the last words in Second Chronicles. And, and, and in just I want to read these verses and then summarize them. And, and again, please hold with me. In Spirit of God, please help me. Okay, listen to this. Second Chronicles 36, 15 to 23. And this is a summary of what had happened during those hundreds of years between the dedication of the temple and God speaking to, to Solomon in the time of Nehemiah. Listen to this. The Lord, the God of their fathers, sent persistently to them by, the, by his messengers because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. 
That verse talks about during history, God sent his prophets. You remember they were rejected. Some of them were even killed. They were called liars. Listen to verse 16. But they kept mocking the messengers of God. And look at the next phrase. Despising his words. Folks, one of the reasons that judgment came upon the nation of Israel is because they despised the word of God. And scoffing at his prophets. If you go to the next frame. Till the wrath of the Lord rose against his people till there was no remedy. God kept saying, if you don't turn back to me, my wrath is going to be unfolded on you. Therefore he brought up against them the king of the Chaldeans. This king was Nebuchadnezzar, who slew their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion on young man or virgin, old man or aged. He gave them all into his hand. And all the vessels of the house of God, great and small, and the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king and of his princes, all these he brought to Babylon. And they burned, listen to this, they burned the house of God and broke down the wall of Jerusalem and burned all his palaces with fire and destroyed all his precious vessels. He took into exile in Babylon those who had escaped from the sword, and they became servants to him and to his sons and to the establishment of the kingdom of Persia. And let me tell you why this is so important. Folks, guess what? God's getting ready to show his grace through the king of Persia. Who commissions Nehemiah to begin to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem? It's the king of Persia. Listen to verse 21 to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah. Folks, if God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. He cannot lie, and he never has, and he never will. And God promised that this time of exile would come until the land had enjoyed his Sabbaths, all the Sabbath that lay desolate, it kept Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. Guess how long the people were in exile? 70 years it got its promise. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be accomplished, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you of all these people, may the Lord God be with him. Let him go up. Folks, let me quickly summarize what happened during those hundreds of years between 2 Chronicles 7, when Solomon dedicated the temple in Nehemiah 8, when the temple was restored. In 588 B.C., for 18 months, King Nebuchadnezzar put a siege around Jerusalem. Again, please hang with me, okay? A third of the people died from hunger and from the plague. A third of the people died by the sword. They were killed by soldiers. But the people said, we will not, we will resist. God will deliver us. But Jeremiah and the other prophets had said, do not resist this because God has sent this because you have rejected him. The third that was left... A large amount of them were taken captive to Babylon and only a few were left in Jerusalem, in Judea. 
Prophets like Jeremiah had foretold this, that if the people of God didn't repent and turn back to God, this would happen. But folks, let me tell you about the mercy and grace of God. After being captive for 70 years, and think about this, this would have been an entire generation. And folks, here's what troubles me so much about that 70 years. Those people did not have the temple of God to worship in. Those people did not have a copy of the Scripture that, that everybody could come and hear. And this is why when, when Ezra stood up and, and read the Word of God, they wanted to hear it. Why is it that we have to wait till some crisis comes to us that we turn to God? And it took these people 70 years after Jerusalem had been almost destroyed down to the ground that they were allowed to come back and a great revival happened. And you know why? It was not just because of Nehemiah and Ezra. It was because of the Word of God and the people turned back to the Word of God. Folks, this book will bring revival. And God sent His people back. God promised that he would do this. Two of the main men during this time used of God were Nehemiah. Folks, if you read the the book of Nehemiah, and again, I'm not an Old Testament Bible scholar, and I don't study the Old Testament that much, but folks, if you read the book of Nehemiah, you find in chapter 1 that Nehemiah began to pray and ask God. And Nehemiah said, God, forgive our sins and cause us to repent And let us go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple and rebuild the city so that we can stand as a witness to the entire world that we are the people of God. Nehemiah wanted to go back and do this. And so God moved in the heart of King Artaxerxes or Cyrus to send Nehemiah back as governor and others to rebuild. And folks, as you read the book of of Nehemiah, there's so much resistance against these Jewish people that came back to rebuild. And some of them were rebuilding the walls while the others held spears to defend themselves. Because you see, Satan's got his own army, and he'll try and defeat the army and the people of God. And if you and I begin to stand up for the Word of God and for the Lord Jesus Christ, there's going to be opposition against us. But Nehemiah was sent back as governor to lead in the rebuilding efforts of the city, the walls, and even of the temple. And then there's Ezra. Let me tell you why God used Ezra. Ezra was a godly leader with an uncompromising loyalty to and passion for God's Word. Can that be said of us? An uncompromising loyalty to and passionate love for the Word of God. It is thought that Ezra was the writer of the book of Chronicles and of Ezra and Nehemiah itself. And folks, let me tell you about the writings of Ezra. His writings emphasize hope and revival and reform and restoration of God's people. So with that in mind, let's go back to Nehemiah chapter 8, okay? The walls of the city had been rebuilt. And those walls stood for protection and provision for the people. And how happy they were when they felt secure again within the city of God, the city of Jerusalem. But folks, let me point something out. The material needs of the city have now been met. And now it is time to focus on the spiritual needs of the people. So look at what Nehemiah does next. 
Nehemiah calls for a Bible conference. Now think about this for just a second. And this is not original to me. I was reading in uh, Vernon McGee. And Vernon McGee said this had to be one of the first Bible conferences that was ever held. Nehemiah says we've rebuilt the city, the walls, we feel safe, but now what we need to do is hear from the Word of God. So he asked, Nehemiah, uh, he asked Ezra the scribe to come and be the people, uh, to be the teacher. And so, folks, guess what happens? Nehemiah 8.1, all the people gathered as one man. They knew what was going to happen. They knew that Ezra was going to read to them the Word of God, and they came, they wanted to hear it. Can you and I again imagine those 70 years in which the Word of God had not been read and presented to the people? How blessed we are to have the ability every Sunday morning and night and Wednesday night and Tuesday night and whenever we have Bible studies that we can come to the house of God and hear the Word of God. We are so blessed in our day. The gospel is preached 24 hours a day. There's so many books written about the Bible and the Word of God and about God Himself. Folks, do you and I realize that in Nehemiah 8, one of the greatest revivals in the Old Testament happened, and you know why it happened? Because the people turned back to the Word of God. This book brings revival if we will hear it and heed it and if we'll commit ourselves to it. Look at the fundamental principles of spiritual renewal and revival found in this chapter of Scripture. And I want to mention five things. But I want to preference these things with this one statement. Revival comes only from God. Yes, you and I as human beings, as God's people, we must... What did, what did God say in Second Chronicles 7? We must humble ourselves, pray, seek God's face, and turn from our wicked ways. But folks, we need God to have revival. And I'm going to give you five things about revival in this passage of Scripture. First of all, revival is brought as we listen and respond to the Word of God. Let me just point some things out quickly, okay? Number one, in verse 3, from early morning until midday, they read the book. Six hours. I bet you all think some of my sermons last sometime around six hours, don't you? But folks, listen. These people were hungry. Have we lost our hunger for God and for His Word? For six hours, these people listened as he read. And it says in verse 3, The ears of the people were attentive to the book of the law. Folks, do you come to hear me or you come to hear the Word of God? I'll disappoint you. And I've already disappointed you many times. When I first came here, I thought I'll just preach on some stuff that maybe the people will think interesting. And folks, I've gotten a greater conviction over the years that unless I bring the Word of God to you, I have done you a disservice and I have wasted your time. And forgive me when I have. These people were attentive to the Word of God. And folks, in verse 5, when he opened the Word, all the people stood in reverence. Do we have reverence for this book? In verse 8, And as they read from the book, from the law of God, the people understood uh, understood the reading. Folks, I want to speak to that in just a minute. Verse 9, all the people wept when they heard the word of the law. Verse 12, they understood the words that were declared to them. Verse 13, heads of fathers' houses of all the people with the Levites came together with Ezra to study the word of the law. 
And without, again, I want to say this as a pastor. Folks, I'm not here to criticize if we don't like Bible study, but folks, how can we grow in our faith if we don't want to study the Word of God? How can it happen? And according to the Word of God, it can only happen when we turn to God and turn to His Word. And in verses 14 to 17, they obeyed the instructions of the book, which had not been obeyed since the days of Joshua. And for seven days, Ezra read from the book of law, and then they had the the real topping of the cake, I guess, the day of a solemn assembly on the eighth day. Folks, revival is brought when we listen and respond to the Word of God. Secondly, the people prayed, they bowed in reverence, and they worshiped God, verse 6. The third thing, they confessed their sins, verse 9, with broken and contrite hearts. And let's be honest, isn't that a hard thing for you and I to do to confess our sins to God? It's hard, isn't it? The devil says, you're okay. Don't worry about stuff like that. God loves you. Your name's written in the book of life, so don't worry about it. If you sin, that'll be okay. Do you and I understand we're living in a society that has no boundaries anymore? And even among us who are professing Christians, we haven't listened to the Word of God. I'm I'm preaching to myself as well as you. Number four, listen to this. In chapter 9, verse 2, this is not going to be on the screen. Chapter 9, verse 2 of Nehemiah. And the Israelites separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. Folks, listen to this. They turned from their sinful ways by turning away from the behavior of their sinful society. Who dictates how you and I live as Christians? Our society or the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And listen to this in chapter 10, verse 29. They renewed their commitment to walk in the Lord's way and will. Let me read chapter 10, verse 28 and follow. The rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all who, were se- who have separated themselves from the people of the lands to the law of God, their wives, their sons, their daughters, all who have knowledge and understanding, join with their brethren, their nobles, and enter into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord our God and his ordinance and his statutes. Folks, there was revival because they made a commitment to be different and they would follow the Word of God. Now, I hope someone you're asking in your mind, well, what in the world does this have to do with 2014 and having revival? Give me just a few more minutes, all right? If we're going to have revival as the people of God, as the church of Jesus Christ, if there's going to be a revival in our country, we must turn back to the book of God that brings revival. And if God is to work in and through his people and bring revival, we must respond positively to his word. And folks, and Warren Wearsby points this out. In Nehemiah 8, Nehemiah, Ezra describes three responses to the word of God. And let me just, this on the screen, okay? Number one, they understand the word, verses 1 to 8. God got into their mind. And I know one of the things that we say, I don't read the Bible because I can't understand it. Have you talked to the author, the Holy Spirit of God? You and I, as we approach the Bible, we must say, God, look, if you don't help me understand this, I'm not going to understand it. And folks, that's just absolute truth. They reverenced God. Their minds were open for the filling of the Spirit of God. Number two, there was rejoicing in in the Word, verses 9 through 12. 
Folks, you know what? Sometimes, and, and I, I, I struggle with this. Do we read the Bible out of habit? And we say, this is one of those things. It's a God thing. I need to do this. Or do we come to this word and say, God, I've got, you've created in me a spiritual soul, and I know that it can be, that soul can be fed and strengthened by the word of God. Now take this word, put it in my heart so that I might rejoice in your word. And they also, number three in this passage of Scripture, they obeyed the word. You know what that means? Their wills were transformed by the word of God. Do we need to heed the words of Nehemiah and Ezra? Let me ask some questions. All right. As a nation, haven't we taken the Bible, God's word, out of our government? The answer to that is yes. All right. And we might say, haven't we allowed some of these things to happen? But haven't we also taken the word of God out of our schools? The answer to that is yes. But let me ask you this question. And folks, I had a hard time writing it down because this spoke to me. Have we taken the word of God out of our homes? <coughs> Parents, grandparents, do our children see us reading our Bibles faithfully? You know, the best advertisement for reading the Word of God is for our children seeing you and I reading the Word of God and even reading it to them. As parents and grandparents, are we reading the Scriptures to our children and grandchildren? Are we living the Scriptures out before our children? Have our Bibles become dusty and unread and unused and disregarded as something that is no longer relevant to our daily living and important to our walk with God. And there's a fourth question. Are we taking the Word of God out of our churches? Do we come to church to be entertained or fed on the Word of God? Is the Sunday school... Is the Bible study program something we avoid because we just don't have time for them? And again, I want you to hear, this is coming from my heart. Would we as a church give God the time, and look at these three things, our minds, our hearts, and our will. Would we give these things to God so that he could speak to us from his word? Remember again in Nehemiah 8, the reading of the Word was for seven or eight days, six hours a day. I'm not advocating having six-hour services because, to be honest with you, I, could, I don't think I could stand it myself. But you see, I believe if we had been under 70 years of some type of communist, ungodly, pagan government reign, and then God brought revival, I think we'd be glad to hear it, wouldn't we? Wouldn't we? If our church had been destroyed by a governmental force, wouldn't we be glad that God built it back up again? If the scriptures had been hidden for 70 years and no one had been able to speak them, would we not be excited about hearing them again? You see, when Nehemiah began to preach and to teach and to read, the people said, Amen, Amen. And you know really what that means? God's right, we're wrong. And we're going to turn again to Him and worship Him and fall on our faces before Him. 
Folks, Adrian Rogers, a couple of weeks ago as I was going to Durham, I know y'all get tired of me hearing about me talking about hearing this on the radio, but Adrian Rogers pointed out, I believe, some very important truth. He said, how is our world treating the Word of God? And look at these three things. The cults seek to distort it. They come up with their own doctrines, and they're trying to lead people to man-made doctrines. The atheists seek to dissect it, to prove that it is wrong. And then Adrian Rogers said, the average Christian and church member disregards the Word of God, as the people in the Old Testament did. But folks, here's the good news. God wants to bring revival and renewal as we open His Word again. And I want to ask us as Christians, would we seek revival among ourselves and in this church and in our world by turning back to the Word of God? I don't want to end this on a bad note. I want to end this on an encouraging note to you and me and to our church. And I want to ask you to do at least three things. First of all, would you make a new or first-time commitment to read and study your Bible? Would you ask Jesus and the Holy Spirit to help you understand? I want to point two verses out. Luke 24, 44, and 45. Listen to this. These are verses, are words that Jesus spoke to the disciples after his resurrection. Then he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And let me point something out. If you don't think the Old Testament is important, In Jesus' day, when they spoke of the entire Old Testament, they described it as the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Jesus is saying, all the Old Testament spoke about me. And listen to verse 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. Folks, the Lord would open our mind if we would let him do that. Folks, if we would commit time each day to read the Word of God if we would take advantage of opportunities to hear and study the Word of God in church worship, in Sunday school, in Bible studies, and there are many forms of Bible studies. Do you realize that? Our young people study the Bible in RAs, GAs, youth, act teens. One of the greatest programs we have at this church is the Awanas program where Scripture is taught to our young children, and they seek to memorize it. Men and women's Bible studies. And men, again, my job appears not to be critical, but, but just to make statements that we need to think about. Why is it so hard to get men to come to a Bible study? We just don't have time, do we? You know, one of the reasons I believe our nation is failing in so many ways is because we as men have not taken the mantle of being godly men and spiritual heads of households. And this nation is not going to get any better until we do that. Revival will not come until the men of God stand up and let the Word of God fill their hearts and their minds. I want to say something else. I've told you this before. I was raised by a family that had such poor education, and many of my aunts and uncles, including my mother, could not read. Folks, if you can't read, get your radio on a Christian radio station where the Word of God is taught. 
You can buy CDs that have the Word of God. Alexander, what's his name? Scorby or I forget. I forget. I love to listen to him just read the Scripture. And 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 let me tell you something, young people. If if your parent or grandparent can't read, would you get one of your Bible study books or one of your Bible books and read to them? That thought hit me last night. Would you let your grandchild read the Word of God to you if you can't read? Secondly, in your own personal Bible study, and folks, we've had a battle over the Bible for such a long time, but I believe that everyone should get a Bible that they can easily understand. Folks, if you... If you don't know which is a good Bible, come to me. Ask your Sunday school worker. Go to the Christian bookstore that you trust. And I want to tell you something. We're living in such a... uh, This smartphone is way smarter than I am, but did you know I've had people say, you see the children back in the back texting? And I thought that's what they were doing until one of them told me, said, look, I I got the Bible app on my phone, so I just pull it up while you're reading the Scripture. I'm reading it on my phone. Do you know that? The Bible is accessible in so many ways. I'm just about finished. When you begin to read your Bible, take baby steps. Don't try and read the entire Bible in a short period of time. And what I encourage people to do is start with the Gospel of John. Read one or two chapters a day along with your Sunday school material and other Bible study material. Read the Gospel of John and then go back to Matthew, the first Gospel. Did you know that Barna did a study? And I forget, I meant to bring this, how many percentage of people cannot tell you the, in the church cannot tell you the four Gospels, the names of the four Gospels? That's not sarcasm, folks. That's tragedy. That the people of God don't know the Word of God. Thirdly, expect God to speak through His Word to you. Adrian Rogers said, when you read the Word of God, the Word of God will read you. Think about that. And I want to close with this. Revival, God says, will come as His people humble themselves, pray, see God's face, and turn from their wicked ways. And I want to add one more. As they turn to the Word of God, the book that brings revival. And I want to close with this statement. And this just hit me this morning. In Luke chapter 9, verse 30, 26, Luke 9, 26, Jesus said, For whoever is ashamed of me, the verse doesn't stop there. For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. Folks, are we ashamed of this book? Are we afraid that somebody's going to make fun of us because we carry a Bible? Men, are we too big to carry the Word of God? Are we too big for our children and grandchildren to see that there's something about this book that is different than any other book in the world and we're not ashamed to be associated with it and reading it and living it? May God help us. The book that brings revival.
may it begin in each one of us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, oh God, help us. Help us, Father, to be willing to pay the cost of revival. Help us, God, to not only humble ourselves and pray and seek your face and turn from our wicked ways, but help us, God, to turn back to your word. Lord, as Satan would try and mock us and make fun of us when we try and get into the Word, as Satan would try and say, you can't understand that book. And Father, truly there are many places that we can't because we're not God, you're God. And that just proves once again who you are and who we are. But Father, thank you that if we will open our hearts and minds and our wills, you'll speak to us. Father, I pray that you'll help me and all of us to make new commitments that we will have revival because we have turned to the Word of God and let that dwell in us and through us. Oh, Father, bless us. And in these moments of invitation, may your will be done. For we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Now, I know I've gone over But folks, what's at stake here is not whether we let people out in time or whether we've heard a word from God or not. And, and again, I'm not trying to... Folks, my desire is that you and I as believers, we're growing in our faith and we're making connections with people in the world who need to see real living Christians before them. And as they see Christ in us, they'll be led to Christ. As they see Christ in this church, they'll be led to the Lord Jesus Christ. Are we willing to make the commitment to surrendering all to the Lord Jesus Christ? That's our hymn of invitation, number 433. The altar's open. If God is leading you to respond, would you come? Let us stand.